Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Gambling, a programme on behalf of PGF Services. Today with Josh and myself, Graham. Where's the A-team gone? Yes, um, unfortunately everybody's going to have to um, put up with the B-team for a, for this <laughs> for this show. So um, yeah. wishing Andrew all the best. Um, yeah. He's away having a really well, well-deserved break. Yep, and I'm sure he will return... On the next show, but we'll do our best to muddle through it, won't we, Graham? We'll just have to make sure we get everything right, because otherwise he'll he'll be rigging us up and saying, uh, "Oi, what'd you do there? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing to my program?" <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, where are we going to kick off this week? Well, I know well, I exactly where we're going to kick off. <laughs> Star Casino. Doesn't it just keep on giving? And what I find interesting is that um, all of last year we went on about um, the Melbourne Casino Crown, and then when we put when we parked that a bit, we thought it might be the end of it. Now the Sydney one wants to um, give us a lot of ammunition as well. So yeah, it's very interesting. Isn't it? There's kind of a global statement here that goes something like, "I've got to watch so I don't drop us in it." Look around the world. America, wherever, I'm thinking of Atlanta in some ways, because um, the, the recognition that around casinos exists the crime industry. Um, yeah. One feeds the other, and I'm very cautious about saying that, but um, that appears to be the case, doesn't it? Well, if you look at a number of things that have come out of casinos, you know, worldwide in the last few years, to be, I mean, I think this is not drawing that long ago to say that uh, they're rife for money laundering, mm. and um, you know, it's not necessarily saying I'm not say I'm not going to say on here that the casinos know about it. I'm not going to say that at all. But it is obvious it's happening, isn't it? And, and quite quite prominently in um, you know many many countries around the world. It's just it's new with news article after news article, really. Right. Well. The star, Sydney. Let me quote from from the article. Chief Financial Officer Harry Theodore, Chief Casino Officer Greg Hawkins, and Chief Legal and Risk Officer and Company Secretary Paula Martin have resigned. A public inquiry heard allegations of money laundering, fraud, and criminal infiltration at the casino in Primont. Is it Primont? Hmm. Right, yeah, it's Primont. It's... um if you if you if you know where Darling Harbour is, yes, I've been it's there. Across the, it's across the bridge. That's Primont, and the casino's over the other side there. Right. So, yeah, I mean, if people recall, I think I mentioned this in um, earlier on in the year. It, it was very similar misconduct to um, what we were seeing in Crown. You know, allegations of money laundering allegations of, you know, known criminal criminal activity, allegations of, you know, basically no host responsibility at all. And I think, as I've mentioned here before, if you're going to basically have the license to print money like these casinos do, there has to be a responsibility to do everything you can on your part to limit the damage, you know, to your customers. It's very similar to a bar. Hmm. If if someone is frequenting a bar and, you know, 
drinking to excess every night and constantly, you know, being in that state day after day, week after week, eventually you would think, I'm not 100% on this, but you would think they would um, come up to him and say, look, I, I'm, I'm not sure you should be doing this like this all the time because mm. this is detrimental to your health and, and everything else. And it's similar to a casino, even though there you know, might not be the physical signs, if someone is going in there every day, spending hours a day on machines or on tables, at the very least, they need to be becoming aware of that person, the person's situation, and, you know, trying to gauge a bit on what they're doing. Because, you know, while, while it's true that nobody knows everybody's finances, if someone is in there day after day for hours and hours, and we could be seeing these people in there for, for 24 to 48 hours without taking a break. I mean, recall that lady in Crown who was sleeping on the chairs in the casino. Indeed. They just let her sleep with a cup of tea. Indeed. But the... Um just looking at this article, it actually starts right at the top, doesn't it? And again, let, let me quote from the article. The inquiry was told that a key figure in Star Casino's international VIP team is accused of misappropriating more than, and wait for it, $13 million before disappearing. So it's the stuff movies are made of, isn't it? And you you look at a lot of these things and, and you know, you see the word Chinese junket. Mm. People might be wondering, what on earth that is? Well, the Chinese junket is basically the criminal world in China. Mm. And, you know, essentially what, what they would like to do is take their ill-gotten gains to this part of the world, gamble them, clean the money. I mean, they may win or, or, or they quite likely will lose some of it. But then they've essentially, it's like when you do laundry, they've cleaned the money. So they've lost the paper trail. And casinos are meant to be, you know, once you get over a certain amount of money, they should be asking for evidence where this money's come from. Right. And again, quoting from the article, I, the the leadership can't claim um, innocence that it was done by lower-level people because... The, the head of the inquiry heard evidence that a secret junket room was set up at the casino. Senior managers turned a blind eye to the money laundering risks and misled the independent um, liquor and gaming authority and the National Australia Bank. So when you've got a secret room set up, that's not just the poor little guy down on the on the trade on the gambling floor um, palming a couple of cards. This is actually deliberate, sophisticated deception and dishonesty. Yeah. In essence, it's people being taken up into a room. I'm sure there's no cameras in there. There's no nothing. And emptying, in some cases, millions of dollars onto a table, mm. exchanging it for chips with no questions asked. I mean, this is mirroring what Crown were doing, isn't mm. it, really? mm so, yeah, I mean, this has watched this space again, like like we keep saying with Crown, but um, it, it seems to be following, you know, very similar patterns to, to Crown. And you've got to think that, well, you know, that this has been something that's been ongoing for a long time. And, and if you've got people basically, you know, ushering people up to secret rooms, I mean, 
seems like one of those spy movies from the 70s, doesn't it? It, it does, something? indeed. In fact, I, I was thinking of, it's sort of a James Bond kind of uh, thing. Yeah. Or what's the other one? Ocean's 13, are those those Ocean's, people? Yeah. 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 What, <laughs> what chips would you like this money in, Mr. Bond? <laughs> <laughs> it's right. Yeah. But it's... It's a sad indictment on the industry because here they are, um, a high-risk industry for people with gambling addiction. And while they make noises about playing the game and safe gambling, etc., behind the scenes, um, it's not very savoury. No. And, you know, as I, as I said before, casinos are... I really are literally a license to print money. I mean, they can't lose. Mm. And to me, with that has to come some responsibility that you have to do everything in your power to make sure the people who frequent your venue are doing it in the safest way that you can possibly do. Now, we don't live in a perfect world. You're never sure. going to be able to stop to stop everybody because you don't know everybody's finances. But there's got to be some people that come regularly that must you know, throw up a red flag. And it can be as, they could be very, as very simple as, here's a form, please fill out where, where, where you are getting this money from and um, bring in a photocopy of your bank account or something where you're going from. And, and if it's coming from a legitimate source, well, you know, okay. But if they can't do that or won't do that, mm. then I don't know what you think, Graham, but to me, isn't that's quite a big red flag, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I never thought I'd hear myself hear myself say this, but actually, gambling on the poking machine down at your local RSA might actually be a much safer form of gambling because the machines have a much higher regulation and authority around them. But I'm not. Right. I'm not advocating that either. But I'm just you know, putting it into context of the big multi-million-dollar casinos with their somewhat questionable um, business practices compared to the poor little operator who's got three machines and yeah, an Ekatahuna or something. Yeah, and <laughs> at least in, at least the three machines in Ekatahuna are returning some value back to the local community. Or, yep. or, albeit with the incipient risk, of course, of of problem gamblers. Yeah, no, it's a um, yeah, I see what you're saying. It, it, it's almost what you're saying is almost the best of a bad thing, isn't it? In some ways, mm. Mm. because I mean, their argument would be, and this is going off on a on a little bit of a tangent, but their argument will be, oh. People can self-ban themselves from my from our casinos if they think they've got a problem. They can essentially trespass themselves. But as we know, and as a lot of people will know, if you're in the throes of an addiction, right slap dab in the middle of it, mm. are you going to do really? Some people will, and, and and that's great. But for a lot of people, they only do that when they exhaust every other avenue open to them. And unfortunately, you know, that can be a sort of a Zach Guilford situation or, or other prominent people, and mm. that ends up in in crime and unfortunately can end up in suicide. Indeed. So, the know, One of the things that I was taught in the uh, when, when I was working as a counsellor was that addicts um, deceive, and the first person that they deceive is themselves. 
So there's a there's a lot of self deception goes on. Uh, you know, I can handle this. I can self exclude myself, and they're telling lies to themselves. And then, of course, the lies spin out to their partners and their children and all that sort of thing. And it's just one of the recognised um, benchmarks of people in addiction. Yep. And um, this this next article I've got here actually kind of ties on quite well for this. And um, this is about so a little bit of a disclaimer here. Um, this is about this court case, which we're going to be talking about here, is ongoing. No one has been found guilty or innocent yet, and, and all we're going to be talking about is the um, the facts that were listed listed on um, stuff.co.nz um, right. this week. So, you know, this is public information, and we're not going to um, talk any further on the um, yep. Yep. the case. But mm. um, this is an it's just following on from this. Um, Elizabeth Zong, who was um, murdered in 2020. She was the lady found in the boot of her car a few kilometres down the road, wasn't she? Correct, yes. yes. Now, the, the man who um, is, is up for sentencing for the possibility that he killed her or up on trial for mm. the possibility of killed her, his, um, one of his only arguments was that he reckoned that she would be better dead than alive. And he knew that members in Taiwan and in Hong Kong um, were, you know, basically, from, <laughs> you know, basically what he said is she, he had grave fears for his safety due to the connections with these people in Taiwan and, and Hong Kong. Um, the, the interesting part of the article sort of for this program is that the court has been told she racked up over $200,000 worth of losses playing the slot machines at the Auckland Casino, which will be um, Sky City. Um, mm. So basically, it appears that it was a business deal gone wrong, and, and unfortunately it's gone very wrong. Um, you know, th there's claims that she owed him millions of dollars, you know, mm. possibility of, of gambling debts and the like. Um, and it, they allege that she tried to kill herself on multiple occasions and a lot of what that had to do with was her increasing gambling activity and um, the people she was getting involved in from sort of, you know, Hong Kong and, and Taiwan. So... Mm. Yeah, we might we might just almost leave it at that. But I just think it was just quite good to follow on from that when we were talking about where this stuff can go. And unfortunately, this is the worst part of it. You can see crime, you know, and in this case, severe crime in murder and gambling is um, quite often caught up in. in yes, gambling is not. Just to, sorry, carry on. No, I was just going to read the last bit of it. The court has heard how Zong or Zhang visited Sky City Casino 481 times between January 2017 and her death, and her loyalty card had a loss of $248,538 mm. over that time. See, gambling is not a victimless crime. Um, no. th there, are, there are lots and lots of losers and, and very few winners. In this case, it, it's tragic with the loss of a human life. And you, can, yep, and you can't get any more. 
tragic than that. And I, I think even if we leave it at that, I would say that, again, goes back to what I was saying about how these places are very lucky that they have these licenses and the ability to, you know, operate in society. And there really is a, a duty of responsibility. I mean, my question is now, I'm just putting this out there, I'm not for one second saying they did or they didn't, but I wonder if Sky City ever went up to her over this time, you know, with her losses exceeding almost up to a quarter of a million an hour so she could afford it or where she's getting the money from. Yeah. You've got to wonder, don't you? know, a quote comes to mind that's actually applied in a different context, but it actually applies um, back into this issue too. And the quote is, with great wealth comes great responsibility. And um, now that's normally said in a quite different context. But in this context, it still applies. The casinos are places of great wealth. Therefore, they also have great responsibility. Yep. Right. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I think that's probably the point of those um, couple of articles. And, 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 you know, people will say, well... What you know? Where can it lead? And the, the casinos might say, "Oh, it's just a bit of, just a bit of this and a bit of that." But you know, it's not an isolated incident to read about crime, to, and even in this case, the ultimate crime. So, hmm. where can it lead? That's where it can lead. Right. And we'll just do a kind of a quick ref uh, reflection back um, over the headlines over the last year in New Zealand. How many prominent people? Or and or court cases have been in the news because of this very issue. Gambling at the heart of it, and from the gambling spins out deception and theft and fraud and all those issues. It's, it's desperation. Yes. People get, they, they talk about a phase in any addiction, and it's the desperation stage. It's when people have extended all avenues open to them, and they see no other way out but to turn to to other avenues and whether that be crime or other dubious activities or the saddest thing of all taking your own life and mm. Mm. you read about this more you read about this more than we should let me put it that oh, way oh look i agree 100 percent. now did you see that other article that comes from scotland about um the number of Scots seeking help with the problem gambling after lockdown has soared? I did, yes. Um, so basically, GamStop, which hmm. I assume is like um, PGF over there or similar, similar yep. has reported a 23% increase in calls to their helpline um, since COVID. That's a phenomenal so, increase, 23%. That, that, that's a quarter so, more. And yeah. that's only the reported ones. Yes. Hmm. And, and as we said, it's unfortunate that um, a lot of people right in the um, throes of their addiction will not, be, will not be the ones coming forward. They're talking about 207,000 Scottish addicted to gambling now hmm. or at the risk of addiction with specialists expressing concerns about children and young people. And I think that's something we've talked about a lot on this show, you know, the um, almost grooming in a way mm. from game to gambling. And it's, it's, it's true, I would say, right around the world. And um, interesting here is a survey done by the Health and Social Care Alliance 
found that 25% of young people have gambled in the previous 12 months. The survey also explored the link between computer gaming and gambling. Mm. With 60% of respondents admitting to have been involved in either gaming or gambling. So if you've got 25% of young people admitting to have gambled in the um, previous 12 months, you'd have to say, and and this is actually quite interesting, you're probably going to see an increase in problem gambling as we go along, and that's just that's just an opinion. But young people these days with gambling have so so many more avenues to do it mm, mm. than than what you would have had and what even I would have had when I was growing up. Indeed, you know, it, it, it it's it's all on your phone now, and all they, I mean. You know, all they have to do is basically go onto a website, deposit money with the debit card or, or their bank account, and mm. you're away. And they're, they're being bombarded with, you know, advert after advert and all the prominent sports, you know, telling them how easy it will be to to pick the winner. And if they're very into their sports, like in the UK, you know, they're very much into soccer. If they think they know the game, they know the teams, you know, oh, well, this seems very easy. I'm sure this team's going to win. Mm. And talking about how insidious it is. Here's a tangent, but it's relevant to what we're talking about. I play Sudoku online. Um, I've found that it's been really good to help my mental process, etc., uh, etc. Et the game that I play gives you three three chances, and on the third chance it throws you out on the third mistake, and you've got to apply for a second chance to keep playing. With me so far? You hit the second chance one, it automatically takes me to a site every time of this pretty young girl telling me that I can gamble online, online casino, and it's all perfectly legal, and I can win a, a big fortune. Now, I cannot escape... From that advert, it runs about 20, 22 seconds. And to get to my next level on Sudoku, I've got to sit and watch that advert. That is insidious. And unfortunately, you're probably going to find that the Sudoku that you're playing and, and whoever's running that, you know, those gambling ads are probably funding the game. Yes, indeed. And it's a sad... It is sad, really, that we've got to a point where you're playing a game that's got nothing to do with gambling. You know, it's a game of skill. It's a sort of a mental game. And then you you, you click on it, and there's a gambling ad. And if you're if you're in a vulnerable situation, and you have issues with gambling already, I, I've seen this so many times in um, you know, the stuff that Andrew and I have been involved in. If someone's vulnerable to something and they see an ad like that, they could be, it's probably a, a bad turn of phrase here, but they could be off to the races all over again. Indeed, indeed. Did you see that um, comment um, in the article from Scotland, the qu quoting Geraldine Beddle of Parent Zone, a group which campaigns to keep children safe online? She points out the growing overlap between gaming and gambling. She said, Quote, loot boxes borrow techniques from gambling to keep children playing and paying, and we know that 
that heavy loot box use is linked to problem gambling. This is normalising gambling for children, end quote. Sums it up well, doesn't she? Sums it up very well. And as I say, something we have talked about a lot on this show is the link between gaming and gambling. And it's very, you know, it's as simple as... You know, they talk about gambling as, you know, one of the key elements to it is the risk and the reward and and the reward that you're going to get that you don't basically what, you, what I'm trying to say is you don't know what reward you're going to get because you don't know how much you could win or lose. Mm. So it's that it's that element of surprise. And I think Andrew's talked quite a lot about these loot boxes before, and it's a very similar thing. You don't know what you're going to get out of the loot box. It could be nothing. Or it could be something of significant value for the game, and that you know that, that is drawing into the the basis of, of mm. gambling in that sense. Yep. And it's, I guess um, th- there's a question here for parents actually, and it's and this is where we need to be re- we're talking to NetSafe and those kind of people. How do parents supervise their children in these games where they're being groomed for gambling? Yeah, it's a it's a tough one, and I think that you know probably you know, I, you 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 may know this as well. Is this fair to say that a lot of parents probably just can't understand what their kids are doing on these things? I mean, is that fair? I think that's quite fair, actually. I I suspect it's growing less as as the years go by and um, young people become parents themselves and they are more computer native than computer adopted, they will be understanding some of the nuances. But for for most of us, um, I think that's a very true statement at this point. Hmm. Well, look, I hate to say it, um, Josh, but we've actually used up almost our allotted time and we thought we'd be scratching to uh, (laughs) Andrew will be proud of us. (laughs) Andrew will be extremely proud. I'm going to get when I get off this thing. I'll send him a message and say he'll be very proud that we managed to get to the end. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so if somebody has a a, a gambling issue that they're concerned about, either themselves or their spouse or a family member, what's the contact phone number, Josh? Okay, so the contact number for PGF Services is zero eight hundred six six four two six two, and that is a free call from a mobile phone or a landline and they'll be able to put you in touch with um, whatever avenue you may um, require anywhere in New Zealand. Indeed. Well, thanks, Josh. It's been a great catch-up. We'll um, meet up again this time next month and we'll try and get the A-team back in, in charge of us. We'll have to do that. Cheers, Graham. Indeed. Thank you. You've been listening to Let's Talk Gambling, a programme on behalf of the... Of PGF Services. I got it right at the end. (laughs) Well done. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.